Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. There is an urban legend that says one of the greatest blues guitar players of the past wasn't really that good. And then all of a sudden, after a six-month disappearance, he came back and was just beyond good, legendary level good. The rumor was that he had gone to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil and sold his soul to him. I hope that's not true. And if it was true, and if it is true, I hope that Robert Johnson went to another crossroads somewhere in his life and he's a great, great artist. But that's out there. A lot of urban legends out there. I've never met anybody that actually said they made a deal with the devil. But as I said a few weeks ago, I met the limo driver for Black Sabbath outside of a concert and I asked him point blank, does Ozzy and those guys really believe the stuff they believe or is that an act? He looked at me and he said, son, it is no act. And I thought, whoa, whoa. So who knows? Um, but whether you've actually or somebody has actually done that, the Bible says that there are really only two kind of people in the world in two positions. One People who are following the Lord by faith with the living Holy Spirit animating their life and their living new creation. Everybody else is put in a category of following the course of this world and the spirit prince of the world who have a spirit within them not following the Lord but following the prince of the power of the air. That's pretty tight, isn't it? That's a, like non-wiggle room presentation of a reality the Bible says is true. Anyone who hasn't come to the crossroads to meet God and face the cross of Jesus Christ, the scripture says they're dead in sin, but loved by God who has made a way, a path for them to find life at the cross of Jesus Christ. Friday we celebrated, celebrated, Friday we focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. Here, people had all over the world met together to do the same and maybe you did whether you met with other believers or not but Friday was a moment or a time where as the song said, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And, and like you, or like uh, I like to have a time, a space on that Friday to really just embrace and stop and think about what Jesus did for me. But the roads that lead to the cross, the road that leads to the cross also leads somewhere else because the road to the cross is not the end. And we're going to talk about crossroads today. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but Joseph and Mary lived in 
Nazareth. And they traveled on a road to Bethlehem. And he was born traveling to a place and in the stall, in the stable where Jesus was born, another road left that stable and as Jesus said standing before Pontius Pilate, for this reason I was born. Jesus was born to walk the road to the cross. And from the cross, from the cross, he created for us what we could never create for ourselves a way back to God, a way back to life, a way back to innocence, a way back to the garden, if you will, where all things become new. And after the cross, the disciples meet him somewhere else. And we're going to look at some of those other roads from the cross, too. But let's start with this. We said that the urban legend is that a, that a very famous, world-famous blues guitar player, legendary, known, possibly went to the crossroads to make a deal with the devil. But you know, Jesus had crossroads moments before Calvary's Hill. Jesus had to deal with the devil from the start, and then Jesus had to deal with the disciples at crossroad moments. And then Jesus had to deal with the impending reality of a death that no other human being had ever experienced before. Thousands and thousands of people cru were crucified, but there was more to the death that Jesus was going to experience than just physical torture and crucifixion. And he had to face these moments when the devil would make deals, which I call bypasses from the real destiny God had for Jesus and for us in that destiny. And you know what? The same thing happens to us. There are bypass moments that are placed in front of us that we might think are a true path. But those bypasses are strategically placed by the enemy and the culture that he has set up in the world to keep us from, to keep us from the destiny God has for each of us. The devil came to Jesus to make a deal, right? What a narcissist. I mean, have you ever thought of that? The, Lucifer is such a narcissist, he thinks he can sway God. Think of that. To be that inundated maniacally in your own head, in your own self, that you really think, I will exalt my throne above God. And then I will twist and scheme and offer him the world. What a narcissist. Do you know when you follow him, that's who you're following. But Jesus didn't come to negotiate with him. He came to lay down the law. It's like the owner of a ranch rides out to contend with the squatter who's been stealing his sheep. That's what Jesus came out into the wilderness to do. Not to make a deal with the devil, but to say the deal was this. You're done. You're done. But that's not to say that Jesus was some kind of machine 
with some kind of robot, I'm just going to do everything right. Jesus was a human, fully human, a mystery, fully human, fully divine, fully human, fully man, fully divine, without a sin nature. But the scripture says he faced deep tests. He was tempted, guys, he, guys, he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. Jesus laid aside the privilege of Godhood. He didn't lay aside his divinity, but the choice to lean on that, he chose to lean on the same Holy Spirit that you and I lean on and listen to God's voice and follow God's word and that's the way he walked as a human being to obey God's word, to follow his will. He faced trials that were real and much more difficult than we will ever face. Hardships that we've never known and will never know. He's called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That says that at times he would offer up strong cries and tears to God. He tasted it all, he was tested in it all. Do you know actually the crossroads began before he was born? The scripture says that somewhere in eternity past in the divine counsels of God, he became the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And I also often think about the, 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 the process of a young man's life when you come into self-actualization. I mean, when Jesus was born in the manger of Bethlehem, he was a little baby, just like some of the little babies in here. If Jesus would have been here today as a little baby, he'd have been crying during the sermon. That's not, that's not a sign of a sin nature. That's just a sign that you're a baby. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. You're just doing what you do when you're a baby. Food time is all time. That's what you're saying. <laughs> so Jesus wasn't laying in the manger going, let's see, Caesar Augustus. He wasn't doing that. Somewhere in his life, picture it, as a boy or a teenager, pre-20 maybe, he's reading a psalm that he's read many times, Psalm 40, that says, sacrifice and offering you no longer desire, but a body you've prepared for me. Imagine reading that and knowing that's not for the people of God, that's you. Imagine reading the scriptures going, God's talking, this is me. Good. A body you've prepared for me. And then he says, it's written about me in the book. I've come to do your will, O God. But the will of God, as Jesus knew, somewhere in his teens, you also tie together what the prophet Isaiah says about this one that's going to drink a cup and be wounded for our sins and crushed for our transgressions. And you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to be beaten beyond recognition, beyond, the human, beyond, beyond human recognition. So you read that and you have to come to terms with, I said, you have to come to terms with that. Imagine the temptation to take the bypass. After the great anointing in the river of Jordan with the Holy Spirit upon him, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil says, all of this will be yours. All of this, all of this will be yours. You want this? I own this. All of it will be yours. Take the bypass here. Take the easy way. Just one thing. Just one thing. Again, the narcissist. God, bow down and worship me. Later, as he's walking and he begins to unfold the mission to the disciples, he says, let this sink down in your hearing. 
The Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be rejected by the chief priests and the elders, turned over to the Gentiles, and they're going to mock him, spit on him, and crucify him. And the dearest, nearest say to him, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus doesn't say, get behind me, Simon. He looks at Simon and says, get behind me, Satan. Because once again, the deal's being made. And one of the most difficult things in life is when those who love you the most and care the most and want to protect you the most are coming to you with a bypass to keep you, which they think is a love thing, from doing the will of God, which is the hard thing. I worry about our generation that everything's medicated and everything's the easy way and everything's the nice way and everything's the cute way. Listen, some things aren't cute. Going to D-Day is not cute. Fighting an Antietam's battlefield isn't cute. Walking across the bridge and saying you can't pass this way and somebody's got to lay down the left. That's not cute. That's not rah-rah. There are things in life, the destiny that we find in God doesn't come all the time on rah-rah street. It is a tough road. It's a hard road. Happy Easter. Uh, sorry to ruin your Easter. Uh, anyway, with truth. Why did he do it? Why did he go through it? The hope of the resurrection. Because the scriptures also that he read said that God would raise this servant back up from the dead. And he knew it. He also knew the exaltation that would come. You'll see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God in heaven. That's what he says. And it's his, he signs his death sentence by speaking the truth of what's going to happen to him after. And they crucify him. But you know what? That's what happens. He knew it. Destroyed this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he drank the cup. And now he reigns. We sing about this, friend, but this is true. Whether you feel goosebumps or not, this is the truth. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He's the ruler over kings and generals and nations of the earth. He's a master strategist, and he is working his plan even against those who are resistant of his plan. He is lord. He is God. He is king. And he's proven it by being raised from the dead. Easter weekend, we focus not only on the cross, but on the empty tomb, but we also should focus on more roads because we must focus on things after the cross in our own life because to get to our destiny, we have to walk the roads from the cross in order to fulfill the reason that he went to the cross because this is how the story really goes. We are called to believe it all, my friend, from beginning to the end. Because everyone's going to live forever. But it's in this life is the only life that you get to choose where. And the choice of where has to be made over and over again by choosing the crossroads or the bypass which seem like, at times, the right road. God wants to lead everyone on a road to the cross and the road from the cross. 
Meanwhile, the devil has set up a world system. The air is filled with seductions and strategies for you and I to think the bypass is the right road. And we have a choice to make. Let's talk about the road to the cross. Everybody either goes to the crossroad, to the cross, or takes the bypass around it. We can bypass the cross by creating our own message, which presumes our own justification based on, I'm a good person. I'm spiritual. I'm a social justice warrior. That just gets you into heaven these days, right? The greatest people on earth are not necessarily those who actually do social justice, but just hashtag so. Hashtag is the reality. Social justice warriors that won't help their grandmother clean her apartment. Or, I'm a patriot and I stand for Judeo-Christian principles in this great land. I signed up with the GOP, certainly I make it to heaven. I'm nice, I help out the little guy or the big guy. I even give credit to the main guy when I score a touchdown. I'm in. We can bypass the message of the cross and justify ourselves and think God will sign off on it. But the truth is, coming to the cross and really looking you behold that that man is not dying for his own sins. Even the thief got that one. He's not dying for his own sins. He's dying for mine. He's it's mine that put him there. It's yours that put him there. He's dying for the ungodly. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. And coming to terms with that strikes you greatly if we allow it. And if we don't have it strike us greatly, I don't believe we'll live greatly and godly because we'll miss it. We must repent in a sorrow so that we can be embraced from our sorrow with the mercy and forgiveness of God. Because there truly is, if Jesus is true, if things are just as he said, there's just one way. And there's just one Savior. And there's just one sacrifice. Crossroad or the bypass. Here's another one. The road from the cross to the tomb. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. Eighth century prophet Isaiah said it would be so. When Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus, he had his own tomb. He cut it out himself. He was a rich man. And Jesus was buried there because it was close to the Sabbath and they didn't have time to get him somewhere else. But all that was in the plan of God. Coming to the tomb in the crossroad idea means that we identify with him in his death. We are buried with him in baptism. Our sins are buried and gone. They're taken away. And the dominion of that sin over us has been buried. Yeah. And we are to count ourselves dead to sin but alive unto God. As Galatians says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved, that's a whole new life. That's a whole new person. That's a Saul to a Paul. That's a Tim McGregor BC 
to a T. McGee AD walking in newness of life, buried with him in baptism. So I've been raised up to walk in newness of life. How can we continue to live a dead man's life when we've been raised to new life? We must continue to take a walk to the tomb. If we bypass it, we can hear about an empty tomb on a Sunday and then go back seeking the living among the dead who never live for him on any day and lose its true meaning. We can even have a form of godliness while we walk in dead man's pants, dead people's conversation, and, and live in a dead man's culture. But the crossroad that leads from the cross to the tomb, we embrace the meaning of the death of Jesus and the death of our old life daily. My old life is dead. It's always a new morning for me. It's always a new man getting up out of bed in Christ. I'm always in the new me. A new power offered and a new power experience. I can leave the past. Some of us can't get on with the good because we can't leave behind the ungodly past. When Jesus has already buried it all, it's gone, friend. Get over it and get on with it. Christ is risen and we rise up with him. Take a walk to the tomb. That's right. Leaving the past buried, redefining our destiny offered to us to live as new creations in Christ. That's right. Here's another one. This is the most overlooked part of the whole Easter story, and it's the walk to the Mount of Olives. After the resurrection, he appears to them. He says to them that uh, over the next 40 days, he teaches them about the kingdom of God, and right, he, he gets the 500, over 500 see him alive after he's been dead. Over 500, according to 1 Corinthians 15. Over 500! That means more than double the size of people in this room saw Jesus of Nazareth, they say, alive after he was dead. And not only saw him alive, saw him go up. Saw him go up. We should take a walk to the Mount of Olives because it's there that we find out that he not only, he not only triumphed over death, but he is exalted now to fill the whole universe. He is Lord, he is King, he is God. If we bypass that walk, we get caught up actually thinking that this life, no one has the wheel. There's no point to this thing. There's no meaning. People are crazy and times are strange. But the Mount of Olives, the road to there, sees him exalted to rule the whole universe where he said before he went up, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. So go to the ends of the world and I'll be with you always. What a perspective. What a perspective for believers to take a walk to the Mount of Olives and consider the fact that he's not only risen, but he's exalted. But they didn't stop there either. They walked down that hill as Jesus told them. Is it time? Are you going to set up the kingdom now? Is it, it's not for you to know that time. Here's another time. It's another time. What time is it? It's the time for you to receive power. So go stay in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. See, 
It's not just the cross and it's not just the tomb. It's the exaltation and it's the empowerment. If we bypass that, oh, Je Jesus said, you know how you were baptized in the water with John and you went under? And all the Baptists said, amen. <laughs> Listen, you can go under lost and get up lost if you haven't really opened your heart to Jesus. You can be sprinkled lost and stay sprinkled at and stay lost, sprinkled, if you haven't really in your heart given your life to Jesus. Because it's not water that saves you, it's blood. And when you're in the blood, you get in the water, it's a symbol of what he's already done, right? It can't save you, but it's evidence that you're saved. And because you're saved, you're a public witness to a death of the past, walking in newness of life. That's the waters of baptism. But Jesus said, but there's another kind of baptism. Just as John took you down in the water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses. We bypass that and we get religion in our head. We get memory verses or whatever, but we're still filled with ourselves. We're still immersed in selfie nation. We're still addicted, we're still obsessed, we still follow the same passions that the world, just like the world, Christ, worldly Christ, filled with ourselves. Or we take the crossroads to the upper room symbolically where fire from heaven starts to burn in our soul, where his love gets shed abroad in our heart and we live out that love as love comes in, love comes out. We live in a power beyond ourselves, carrying his presence, living temples of the mighty Holy Spirit, mobile. We are people on the move. We don't just come to church, we go be the church. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, whether you're a banker, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, or a grandma, or a grandpa, or a student, whether you live in the dorm or you live at home, we are mobile living temples with the fresh breath of heaven on us if, if we have the upper room experience. Amen. Living temples. Or we bypass it and just go, well, history, I got all the facts, I got all the facts, Jack. I'm going to try, I'm going to muscle up this Jesus thing. I'm going to do my best, I'm going to do my best. Our best won't cut it. When that witch walked up to me with blood on her face standing next to that limousine, I mean a witch, not someone dressed like a, 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 a wannabe Black Sabbath fan. I mean a witch. I'm a 20-something kid with my hair on fire for Jesus that I actually went to a coliseum thinking God was gonna lead me to speak the Black Sabbath. That's how crazy I was. I at least got to the limo. Just walked right dang up to it. Hey, I'm from Southeast. I want to talk to you about you. Got to look like I should have been in an insane asylum. Probably should have. But when that witch came up and stood right next to me, all I did, and this wasn't me, because this was because we prayed. We prayed for a couple hours, like a bunch of crazy early, early Christians, and then went there for God to use us. And I'm just a kid, 
and I'm, I don't feel spiritual or nothing. I'm just trying to do what God's saying, we thought God was telling us to do. And that witch with blood on her face said, what are you doing here? And I turned and, I, and before I said anything, she looked like she saw somebody that had a nuclear device strapped to them, ready to go off. And she ran as fast as she could away. And that's not because of me. That's because the clothing of the Holy Spirit was on a bunch of students that just said, God, we don't want to just study a book. We want to go do the book. Send us somewhere into the darkness. And we were all rock and rollers. So we thought, let's go get some of those rock and rollers. That's how we thought. That's just super dramatic, but that really did happen to me. I really did see that. I'm telling you a real story. I'm not making something up for hippity hoppity weekend. I am telling you, I am telling you I've watched that. And there's many days that I don't feel anything. There are many times I preach, I don't feel a licking thing. And I'll leave here thinking that was the worst sermon anyone on this planet could preach. And when my mom was alive, I'd say, how was she? Oh, it was wonderful. I'm saying, mom, quit lying to me. It was terrible. But on some of those, when you don't feel anything, someone will call you or someone will write you and say, you don't understand. When you said dum da 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 in that sermon, and I'm thinking, I didn't even have that in my notes. But when you said that, I looked at my wife, I looked at my husband, I looked at my kid, I thought, that's exactly what God's been saying. See, this thing is not just for preachers. This is for mom, this is for grandma, this is for Uncle Ernie, this is for you, this is for you. Lord, breathe on my life. Get me filled up, filled up, so I can be used by you. We got, we got to go from the cross to the tomb to the, to the phone-in weekend, to saying, Lord, set me on fire. Let me become a mobile, living presence of Jesus and tell a story that will change the world in my world. Come on, someone. Okay, what are we, okay. One more road. On that, but when they saw him go up, right, they stood there and they're doing exactly what I'd been doing. If I'd had a cell phone with a, no, I wouldn't, I'd been like, Having him going up with me in the back going, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I was there. <laughs> and they're watching him. They're watching a cloud, watching the sky. Wow. Oh, woo. Wow, oh, let's just. And the angels say, what are you guys doing looking in the clouds? This same Jesus that you saw go will come again in like manner. So there's another road, and it's the road to this. There's a great day coming. We haven't seen the last of Jesus of Nazareth. There are people in the world today who don't believe in him. There's Sam, what's, Sam, what's his name? The great smart atheist. And, and all, these, you know, the, all these things, why you know, all these things, all these things. There are people that are abusing him verbally. There's people who use his name, don't even know they're using his name, and it's never for praise, never for praise. Did you ever notice it? Never for praise. And there's people that have big talk and a big strutty walk. And there's people that are mic dropping. They think mic dropping, mic dropping, mic dropping. I'll tell you who's going to hold the mic at the end. There's a lot of boastful conversation about who Jesus is and who we are and who we're not. All the reasons why I don't go to church. I don't go to church because I ran into somebody one time there and I know what they do. So I don't believe in all that. We can all say that, all say that. And everybody's got something to say. But listen, when the sky breaks open, somebody else will have the microphone. And according to the scriptures, when the sky breaks open, generals will hide in caves 
praying for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the one who's coming from the skies. We're not victims, friend. We're victorious in Christ. If we bypass the great day message, we can get caught in the snares of this life being all there is. We can actually go from being people, living temples with the glory of God to slowly and incrementally get back to eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, forgetting this world is on a collision course with the kingdom. I'll say it again. This world is on a collision course with the coming king and the kingdom of God. This has always been his, nobody else's. And he's going to rule it. There is a final act coming. In order for me to be on the right side of that final act, it's time to act now. You know those things, that, all, the, all the commercials, all the, act now, act now. And if you act now, listen, minutes, I don't know what hour we're in. I don't know how many years. I don't know how many decades. I don't know how many centuries. But minutes are ticking away. And there are virgins who were awake, who are now asleep, who've run out of oil. There are servants who used to serve. There are people that used to have tears in their eyes when you'd sing the great songs of the church, who now can sing them and it not even move them. There are servants who've forgotten their task. There are servants who have started eating too much in the things of the world and they're too lazy and they're too foolish and a spirit of slumber has come upon them. That's because we're slowly taking the bypass, but minutes are ticking away. But then also there are people who've gone from the crossroads to the tomb, to the hill of Mount Olivet, to the upper room and keeping their experience and keeping their lamps keeping the oil in their lamps, who are ready, who are being faithful, who are waiting their master's return, whether it be in the first, second, third, or fourth watch of the night. They've listened to Jesus say, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Come on. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself and serve them. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You know, I grew up in church and got away from the Lord as a teenage kid. We didn't have anything like the move, the bridge. We didn't have that bridge from pre-adolescence to walk that through. And I took the bypass in a huge way. But when I finally, by the mercy of God, came back around and got back in the book, I had never heard like I heard the Holy Spirit. And when I read stuff about him coming back and him coming back like a thief, man, I went completely I mean, I went to my old buddies, my old drinking pals, and went on their, knocked on their door at their house. I mean, 17 years old. Hey, man, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming. Russia's coming down to Afghanistan. There's the sign. What the heck's that? I was all over that. The, whatever the news said, there's a sign. Jesus is coming back. Pittsburgh Pirates are in the World Series. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> sign. 
Andrew McCutcheon back. Jesus is coming back. When I saw Andrew hit that single the other day, I felt Jesus, man. I did. I felt Jesus. <laughs> He's coming back. Don't know when. I think about that. You know what? I actually pray a prayer that doesn't even hit heaven, but I pray it don't come back yet, not because I'm not ready, but because I'm not finished. At least that's, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I hope the last kid hasn't answered the call to serve God with all their heart from me preaching behind this pulpit. I hope the last kid wasn't last month. I hope there's a hundred new. I hope there are these kids and shine kids. I hope there's little Samuels hearing something tingle in their ears from the voice of Almighty God. I'm praying that there's some young little girl that's saying, I want to grow up and be a princess bride for Jesus Christ. I'm praying that God just keeps moving and keeps moving, that 25 years from today, this church will be on fire, on fire, double the size, not for numbers sake, but people that want to hear and people that want to experience and lives and families change because you walk out of here as a living temple with heaven's breath fresh on the story of your life. I'm not finished. Come when you want, but I want to be ready. I want to be able to present to you just not a trophy of my, I don't have any. I want to present to you a people, a generational shift, a church on fire. We have to go to the crossroads. No deals. Deals are easy to make. Do you ever, have you been asked, offered a deal? I've been offered a lot of deals. Have you been offered a lot of deals? Satan doesn't know everything, but boy, if you're a strategic person in the kingdom of God, you're going to get all kinds of deals. Women will lay on their, right in front of your path. Money, opportunities, whatever. In the, if you know you, look for the deal in the areas of your weaknesses. Foolish is the man who doesn't know his weakness and walks in self-sufficiency and pride through the streets of their dead with the seductive spirit calling their name. Come on, someone. Let's close with this. Do all roads lead to heaven? The world says, sure, if there is one. Do all roads lead to God? The world says, sure. And most people who aren't following Jesus, their God looks more like them than God. Well, I just think, well, I just think it's just a mirror. That's uh, God in my own image. That's not a new thing. That's not a new fad. That's been going on from the start. But what did Jesus say? And what does it matter what Jesus said? It matters if he comes back from the dead because if he comes back from the dead, that validates everything he said. And here's what he said. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the road. Wide is the gate and broad is the what? Road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Think of that. Many. I sit in the baseball stadium, I look around 39,000 people, and I think, how many? I walk through the streets of Boston. I remember being up there going through uh, the Patriot Trail, the 
what do you call it, the, the Paul Revere Trail or whatever. People everywhere you could look getting off, getting off subway cars, just looking around. I'm thinking, how many? How many people are just taking the buyout and the bypass? Good people. Enter through the narrow gate, but small is the gate. Narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And then Jesus went on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only, this is a narrow-minded statement. This is not an inclusive statement. But only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. The rich young ruler comes to the crossroads. There's something about Jesus that's a magnet to him. And he comes to him quickly, swiftly. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good. That's God. He says, Jesus says to him, you know the commandments. And the young man says, I've kept them all since a youth. I've kept them all since a youth. And Jesus says, but if you want to be perfect, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the excitement left the man's face because the gospel says this man knew he couldn't do that because he had great possessions. More accurately, great possessions had him. So he comes to the crossroads Jesus tells him what he needs to do. He can't do it. So he walks away. Jesus didn't create a bypass for him around obedience. Churches do. Preachers do. Priests do. Talk show hosts do. And we call it kindness. It's not kind to allow somebody to drive their car off a cliff when you know it. Pontius Pilate was at the crossroads. Pontius Pilate was at the crossroads. Imagine, you are in the role where you're cho you are choosing whether Jesus lives or dies. And in Matthew's account, God tries to warn him through this man's wife. Listen to me, please. God tried to save Pilate through somebody that he knew that what they said was valid. It was his wife. His wife had a dream the night before about Jesus and she sends a text to Pilate have nothing to do with this righteous man. I suffered much in a dream about him last night. But Pilate chose to save his own neck, his own position, his own power. Because the crowd said, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. And if you disobey Caesar, you know what's going to happen to you. 
You're going to lose more than your 401k. You're going to lose more. Last night, I had this whole message written, not this part, and as I was praying about it, I felt very unsettled, and I was just praying. I said, Lord, is there anything I'm missing? Is, am, am I off on this part? I, I ended up texting Josh saying, Josh, the, uh, the slides after slide seven, can them. I don't want to go there. I don't know where I'm going with that, but just can it. I know that's not going to be it. And as I began to do this, this thing about Pontius Pilate came to me, and I'm just going to tell you that the same kid that was led to go talk to the limo driver heard someone say to me last night, there will be men in your church tomorrow. I have used their wives like Pilate's wife in a supernatural way to get their attention, but they've yet to choose me. They won't give up what will eventually decide their fate in eternity. And tomorrow, I'm coming up next to them. And when you say this, I'm going to fire off in their mind about the supernatural walk their wife witnesses in front of them. And I'm using that to bring them to a decision about me. And they're not deciding. And tomorrow, tell them Tell them. Take the crossroad, friend. Take the crossroad, not the bypass. Who am I talking to? Are you are you, live stream? podcast somewhere in the future some guy riding down the road to a business meeting and you just heard I don't know who you are I don't know who you are you know this is a message of love from heaven fresh bread right off the right out of the oven for you that's how deeply God loves you so what's up the road for all of us what's up the road for every person the apostle Paul says this in Acts 17 in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, which means I get deeply moved in my thinking and in my heart to change the course of my life based on what God has just said to me. That's what repentance is. For why, why, why? He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed and has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen. We've not seen the last of Jesus of Nazareth. According to the word. That's not the only thing I heard last night. And I was writing that, I was writing that out and I was so moved. I was, I was so moved. I thought, my goodness, God cares that much about people. And then I just heard a whisper say, but I want you to add another road. I want you to add another road, the Emmaus road. And then I felt like I heard this, there will be people there tomorrow that have had trauma so radically and violent. Take hope from them. That there will be people that trauma has taken their hope away that they have literally lost something dear. But hope 
has joined their journey today. Because hope is a person. And tell them that I've never left them. What has been allowed is not a sign that he's left you. And on this Easter morning, he is saying to you, I don't know who you are, but if you have been through a season of trauma that something has violently, radically taken your hope away, you're holding on, it's, it's gone through your hands like sand that's slipped through your fingers. He is saying to you, take a seasonal walk with him and allow him to talk to you in ways that hope will be resurrected in your life. I would like everybody to stand, please, with every head bowed and every eye closed on this resurrection morning. Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of God, we're so thankful to you. Shh. We're so thankful to you that you are in the church of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would sanctify this moment so powerfully that it would almost be like we're frozen in time. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would just go really deep into the heart of the broken one, of the traumatized one, of the hopeless one. I pray that you would come with such kindness and such gentle, gentleness and you would come with, with such power that the embrace would be evident and so known that this person would literally feel like God's gonna go home with them today. And I pray for that man or men that you have so lovingly, you have created moments where only they know and you know that they've walked away in moments and just went, wow, what was that? Wow. God, I, was that God? What, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? And it's come through. You know, I'm sure Pilate's wife had some issues. Just bet. I just bet. <coughs> Who doesn't? But you know, the Holy Spirit, Pilate's wife wasn't even a Christian, friend. <coughs> And heaven, heaven was working powerfully through her to intercept this man. What can God be doing through somebody who is a Christian, loves the Lord, loves you? And you know who loves you more than them? Jesus does. And he doesn't want you just to be a nominal fact-based. He wants you to have an intimate faith where you know God 
is unfolding a destiny for your life and your family and your kids and generations to come because you mark a moment where you say, I release Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I release, that's what you say today. If you want God to intervene in your life, if this is you, if he's pinpointed this, if he's time-stamped this moment, I can't get off this, man, I'm sorry. I can't get off this. If he's time-stamped this moment, he wants to mark it for you. This is the moment where it all changes for God in your life. You only bring yes and he brings the power. You only bring, I don't understand it, but I submit to your Lordship. I release you. I've got all the power to make the choice and I'm off the bypass. I'm on the crossroad and I release you to have Lordship power in my life, Jesus. I pray that as we pray this prayer, you, you, oh, all right. will say yes. Heavenly Father, I pray for people that are described in those things and all the other things, all the other roads. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you, that will never be the same again, that this Easter will be the one. I remember the Easter my father passed away way too soon. I'll never forget it. I pray that today would be an Easter you never forget. And it wouldn't because of a be because of a physical death. It'd be, be it'd be because of the death of the bypass in your life, and a resurrection to the road that God has been waiting. Jeez. When I said yes to Jesus, I, I, I came into awareness that people I didn't even know had been literally praying my name to God. And you know what? There are people praying your name, friend. There are people praying your name. There are people praying your name. And the Holy Spirit is here in a very powerful way. If you'll give him an inch, he'll take a mile. <laughs> and do amazing work in your life. Heavenly Father, whoever this is, the many who it might be over time and over recordings and over technology, miracles of that, Lord, I just pray for those people in the future, whoever hears this message, whoever they, these people are, God, I just pray you'd break the power that holds them back and release them into the power that breaks them free. And I ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know what? I didn't do this in the eight o'clock. But I feel, I feel like I have to be obedient to the Lord. I'm going to do it in this one. Uh, coming to an altar can't save you, but moving by faith to the voice of God can do miracles in a person's life. I'm going to open these altars for those of you who need to say yes to God, those that need to walk off the bypass and whatever it is, and you need to get on the crossroad, you need to get on the road, you're going to find, you're going to find heaven open, friend. You're going to find heaven open in your life. You're going to find things move and change you never thought in a million years they could ever change if you let God, if you let God work. If he's talking to you, if he's talking to you, if he would be talking to me today, I'd sprint. I'd sprint to the altar. If, I, if you could see what's on the other side of yes, friend, if you could see what's on the other side of yes, God, you would already be at the altar. 
I release you from that fear. I release you from that bondage. I release you from that double-mindedness. I release you from that standing and being caught between two opinions. I release you in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to say yes to God and watch the glory of God come down on your life and your family. All right? Crossroad or bypass, your choice. Crossroads always better in Jesus' name. Find a place to pray and watch God do amazing things. Happy Easter. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.